0: Hey, this is Em. I know it's been a couple of weeks, I think three, since I've recorded anything. Um, Just things going on. Uh, The death of a friend that, uh, acquaintance friend, not a close friend, but a a friend nonetheless, um, left me grappling with a a couple of things. Um, And then sickness, and then just uh, weariness. And so today, as I was uh, cuttering about, my mind began to think and um, on some issues, and uh, I thought about the Maniac of Gadara. Now, once again, those of you who have listened for any length of time know that I'm a Christian. I do not shy away from that, and I often speak about Christianity, God religion, and the Bible. Um, So just be forewarned. But even if you're not a Christian, these things can still apply because the Bible is for everyone, not just Christians. Um, And wisdom is for everyone, not just Christians. But hopefully wisdom will lead you to Christ if you welcome it. Um, Anyway, the Maniac of Gadara. uh, Dealing with maniacs. It's an interesting story, and from the thought of the maniac of Gadara and all that happened there, I went to Matthew 12, where the the Pharisees are upset because Jesus, yet again, heals a blind man, or I'm sorry, not a blind man, a man who is possessed with a demon, um, and is also mute or dumb, he can't speak, um, but he healed him on the wrong day, you know, uh, so the Pharisees were saying he cast out demons by the power of Satan, um, And so I read through all that, and I'm kind of thinking about all that. And then you read further down in Matthew 12, and it talks about um, how if a man removes an unclean spirit from his life, but doesn't clean up, and he cleans up the house, you know, but he doesn't fill it, then that demon, after it wanders for a while and finds no other home, will come back. To the newly cleaned and set in order house which is empty and it looks like a good place to party now because it's all clean and orderly and ready to go and so he gets seven more of his friends demon friends to join him and they all fill the house and scripture says that the state of the man was worse at the end than at the first when he had only one demon um, and then from there I went to... Where did I go? Oh, how our words... Because in that same chapter in Matthew 12, it talks about how um, our words condemn us. And what a... What a wonderful, awful... telling section of scripture, that is. Um, So I'm gonna try to to touch on all these things today and still keep uh, this episode within 20 minutes. Wish me luck! (laughs) Okay, so Maniac of Gadara. I'm gonna start, I think I'm gonna read from Matthew, actually. Um, This story is found in a couple of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or the Gospels, if you don't know. Um, But I'm gonna read from Matthew. Uh, And here we see that Jesus and the disciples, they came from the other side of the sea And uh, they entered the country of the Gadarenes. And Jesus steps out of the boat. And immediately, immediately, as soon as he steps out of that boat, the man comes out of the tomb to meet him. Now here's the interesting thing. This man is not in control of his life. It's the demons who are in control of him. The demons direct his steps, his actions. Um, his words. Everything. Um. So the demons, in essence, are playing God with this man. Uh, directing every part of his life and treating it as though they own it. Um, now interesting, and this is what got me thinking today, was, uh, these demons, they had, um, an unintentional admission of weakness. Uh, which is interesting, because if we, if we look at the demons that are in our lives um, as well as human behavior and character, we often give away our weaknesses. We often give out those unintentional admissions of weaknesses in those moments when we're playing God. Because deep down in our spirits, we know when confronted with the one and only Holy God, one God. When we're confronted with the knowledge of Him, His presence, we have no choice but to acknowledge our weakness. And that role that we play as God, whether it's in our own life or the life of others, is illuminated. And whether we like it or not, we are met with the realization and the admission that we are not who we claim to be, who we believe we are, who we pretend to be in the lives of others. And here, this is what we see, and and it's just, the way it hit me, um, I'm gonna let my nerd flag fly for a second, uh, and I may be getting cart before the horse, but just stick with me and hopefully it'll all come out in the wash, right? Uh, nerd flag. When I thought about, uh, I'm trying to see where it is, where it is, where it is, where it is. Ah, so let's let me go back to Matthew or Mark five for a second. And uh, so this this man comes running out, but not because he wanted to see Jesus, but because the demons were compelled to, uh, out of fear. And um, I want you to notice that this man. And I promise I'll get back to the nerd flag. Just let me, let me work through this. Uh, this man was living in tombs. He was living in places where the dead live. Do you hear me? I'm sorry, he wasn't living. He was dwelling in the places where the dead remain. Where the dead decompose. Where death takes over. And this is where the man was dwelling. Not because of choice but because when you allow demons to rule your life, you end up trying to live among the dead. You end up living as though you are dead. Um, So we see in verse 3 that his dwelling was among the tombs, and that no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in places. Neither could any man tame him. Why do we let demons in our lives? Why do we let demons control us, direct our lives, own our lives? Well, because they give us the illusion of strength and power, don't they? This man had strength and power beyond normal human capability, so that if anyone tried to, to tame him, to chain him, uh, to hold him, to stop him, he couldn't be stopped. Now I imagine at the beginning, when this man welcomed the demons in, um, or maybe it was just one demon at first, when he opened that door and allowed that demon to take possession of his life, it probably felt great. It probably felt powerful, freeing, because that's the elixir of deception that Satan, the demonic uses to reel you in until finally you're caught and you can't get away and that's the state of this man he though he had immeasurable strength inhuman human strength he was bound in his soul in his spirit and his life was not his own And so we find him dwelling among the dead. And night and day, in the mountains and in the tombs, this man was crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, notice. Is it the man cutting himself with stones out of angst, out of anguish? Or is it the demons cutting him? Because they got pleasure out of hurting him. You see, he was nothing more than a dwelling place to them. They didn't own the house, they were just renting it. And often, Now I'm a renter so I'm not throwing shade but often as renters people don't take care of the dwelling places because they don't own them they suffer no loss for the destruction of the dwelling but a man who owns a house is more likely to take care of it the demons were merely renting this dwelling this man they didn't own him they didn't care for him They didn't love him, they were just using him, (laughs) and so, he cut himself, and he cried out. And maybe it's a combination. Could be the man was tearing at his flesh to try to break free. could be he was tearing at his flesh to remind himself that he still was human. Pain is a great reminder of our humanity. Often, people who are suffering when they have no other recourse, when no one's listening and they feel like they have no voice and no chance to escape, will turn toward hurting themselves, self-harm, cutting, crying out, lashing out beating themselves, starving themselves. Because they want to feel a pain that's under their own control. So that they can forget about the pain that's under the control of someone else inflicted upon them. So there are many reasons why this man could be cutting himself. But this is his life. And he saw Jesus, afar off, and he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Interesting. Now why would the man believe that Jesus was going to torment him? Could it be that it's not the man who ran to meet Jesus and worship him, but rather the demons? Because we know from the book of James that demons when confronted with Christ have no choice but to bow down and worship and exclaim him as the most high son or son of the most high God they have no choice and So I would argue that here. It's the demons that ran to Jesus not because they loved him They didn't worship him because they loved him, but because they had no other choice and This is why we see the man say what have I to do with you Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. The demons knew who Jesus was, and the power that he possessed, and that they had no right to occupy this man's life, and that all Jesus had to do was say one word, and they would have to leave. And Jesus did. He said to him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And then Jesus did something interesting. And here's where the admission of unintentional admission of weakness comes. Do you think Jesus asked the demon's name because he didn't know? Maybe because he was fully man. He wasn't um, omniscient in his humanity, but he was also fully God. So, there's some gray area there. But, um... I don't believe he asked him the demon's name because he didn't know or because he needed it. I believe he asked the name to remind the demon. Demons. Who they were and who they were not. Because there is only one name under heaven. By which men must be saved and will be saved. There's only one Son of the Most High God, and that's Jesus Christ. And so I think he's asking the name to remind them who they were. And because he is the Son of the Most High God, they had no choice but to answer, and to answer honestly. And here is the unintentional admission of weakness. The demon says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now that doesn't appear as weakness right away. Um, It actually uh, appears the opposite, right? There's there's strength in numbers, right? When you're dealing with the world, yes, there's strength in numbers. When you're dealing with God, no. It's quite the opposite. Um, We are legion, for we are many. In the admission that they were many, They also admitted that they weren't the one. The one true God. The one who had true power and control over all of creation. And this is where my nerd flag started flying. (laughs) I went to Star Trek and the Borg. The Borg Collective. Interesting. Collective. The many. Now, if you watch Star Trek, if you're a nerd at all, then you know the famous mantra. Resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. Right? With the demons, they had taken over this man's life. He was at the point where he realized, where he believed, resistance was futile. He would be assimilated. And this is how he lived his life, under the control of the Collective. He made no action, no thought of his own free will, but rather of the will of the Collective that possessed his life. The Borg Collective. Resistance is futile, you will be assimilated. But. If you know anything about the Borg, you know that resistance was not futile. They just needed you to believe resistance was futile. Because there was one or two that resisted and refused to be assimilated. And this threw the Borg Collective into a tizzy. Almost like a computer virus crashes the computer the Borg collective was crashed they went offline they didn't know how to operate and so here this is what we see with the demons legion we are many they knew that Jesus was the one who could throw them offline Jesus was the one who could crash their collective power. And so what did they do? They begged. They begged that Jesus would not send them out of the country. Interesting. What's so great about that country? Gadarenes. What's so great about it? That the demons didn't wanna leave. we'll see later in the chapter, what's so great about it. And with that, we'll end this episode, and we'll pick up where I leave off tonight, next week, talking more about what's so great about the country, Gadarenes, or a demon. Tonight I leave you with this, or today, depending on when you're listening, it doesn't matter if the collective has convinced you that they have the power. It doesn't matter if the collective has been running your life, if the demons have possessed your house. When confronted with Christ, they will not only be forced to bow down and worship, but to admit that they are powerless. Maniacs can be set free. they will tell their story in their homes so that others will know of Christ and be set free as well but for now this is M signing off saying thank you for listening Pick up next week to find out about countries that welcome demons and empty houses.